Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Romans 6.6 Paul speaks to us through the first epistle of Easter Sunday read at the Great Vigil last Saturday. He's bringing us the good news of salvation, a sacrifice made by God's only son, so great it freed us from our sin. And as resurrection Christians, a phrase used at the church we were at last weekend, which I fully intend to be, it seems ridiculous that I would choose to continue turning my back on Christ's gift. Of course, Christ's crucifixion didn't make it impossible for Christians to sin, but we're no longer enslaved, and with God's help, we can overcome the moral incongruity of sin. Our priest on Easter Sunday said, don't talk about being a Christian. Go out and do what being a Christian is all about. Be countercultural. Don't gossip or argue or walk all over colleagues to get the promotion you want. My writing critique group is always telling me to show what my character is doing, not tell. This takes a lot more thought to come up with descriptive paragraphs to paint the scenes. In the same way, acting our faith with unexpected, kindly actions will proclaim who we are much more loudly than preaching about it. I have a friend whose husband works for a large company, and when it's time for him to put in holiday requests, he says he never chooses spring break or summer, around Christmas or Easter, because he no longer has young children at school. He lets the younger dads he works with take those times so that they can spend time with family. Now, there's a Christian action that goes against the norm. So, act like a resurrected Christian. How are we going to do that? By being countercultural and remembering the great gift that God gave us in his son this Easter. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who weren't their mother. Today, we came up, together, we came up with a lifestyle that will leave me knowing without a doubt that I gave my all and my children are well equipped to go it alone as unique beings they were encouraged to be. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers, from the secular to the missionary, the academic to the child-led. Schooling becomes a suffix, goes from home to boat to biking and the world. We'll homeschool anywhere. In my journey, I've used the tools God gave me to live my life fully. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. Children will do that for you. Gaining insights and delights along the way, which I am happy to share with you right here. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes frustrating. But for me, it starts and ends with God, the beauty of his creation, silence, the rising moon, a rousing piece of music or a simple hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of coffee to fortify this time together. And 
an Italian wedding cupcake to tickle your taste buds and thank you for staying. But I understand you're on your side over there and I'm here broadcasting from my hotel room in Richardson, Texas. After the first break, I'll be talking to Barbara Frank, who I spoke to at the end of January about how we can help our teenagers live their own lives after leaving home. This week, we're going to be talking, taking that theme a step further and talking about how we parents can move past the choices our adult children are making on their own. Make sure you stay tuned in. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where we've just celebrated Easter, a flat hunting with both our daughters, considering how to get a quiet child to talk more and standing on the sidelines while our children make their own decisions. Are you ready? Talking about Italian wedding cake while I'm munching on it. I munched on it actually pre-show. That's my signature dessert for Easter Sunday. And we always have a party except for the last two years where the cake, pure and white with colourful Cadbury mini eggs adorning its surface, sits centre stage surrounded by other delicious sweets. This year, I was going to party down in my friend's house as she'd asked me to dog sit for her while she went to visit family out of town. But we ended up over at the in-laws and had a really great time, although only two of our four children were there. At this stage in life, we'll take whatever we can get. My cake was going to be the only player in the dessert sweeps, and I hoped it would cut into a dozen or more pieces easily. Then I had a brainwave. Why not make cupcakes? I'd never made cupcakes before. What kind of mother am I? I bought those beautifully pleated paper cups, found some muffin tins at the back of my friend's cupboard and dolloped delicious mixture into 30 cases. Icing them was an experience too. I made the icing a little firmer than usual so that it didn't slide off the tops. And then I decorated each one with three or four of the pastel mini eggs. They looked delightful. And we still have a few left in the fridge here at the hotel almost a week later. So if you're passing, come and get one. Of course, the Easter Tridium is a big deal for our family. And this year, my oldest son mentioned a church he frequents. It's Episcopalian and had a very legalistic reputation while the children were growing up. So we never attended it for services, but we did go to a couple of ordinations. Plus, as a family on a shoestring, we needed to save our guests for other things. The church was clear on the other side of town from where we lived. But now we're kind of halfway there, a childless couple, or at least fast becoming one, and our son had invited us, so along we went. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Great Vigil built on each other to a resounding ringing of bells and shouting of Alleluia at the first Mass of Easter. The church itself looks very like our local parish church in London, lots of stained glass, stone, and ceremony. The nave was laid out classically with the door, with the choir adjacent to and just below the altar, which incidentally was still facing back. So we got a rear view of the power of the priests taking me back to my childhood. Having mentioned the word choir, I need to gush for a few lines here. Musically, they were as astounding as our well-loved choir in London. And I found out that this was the choir that we'd been to see in London when they visited and sang Evensong at Westminster Abbey. Small world, sort of. We were thoroughly thrilled with the music and saw a few people that we knew, including a woman who is now the deacon up there, who had discerned for the priesthood at our church when the children were really young. 
we managed a few words with her and she told us a lot had changed over the years, particularly the ban on women at the altar. Their new rector, himself a bishop, had been hired four years ago and he was a very happy fellow, once again reminding me of one of St. George's priests whose face radiated her love of God when she presided at Mass. The Incarnation, which is the name of the church that we went to, has not become a liberal church by any means, but it is one we will definitely be returning to once we settle again. I thanked our son for introducing us, and we were all filled spiritually with the solemnity, reverence, grace and love that emanated from the church, with the music and the readings and the liturgy, and of course, the message of the resurrection. On Easter Sunday itself, we went to our Catholic church just down the road to hear our favourite priest, And he was the one who suggested that we lead our lives as Christians, not just talk about our faith, but do our faith. Earlier, I mentioned that we house and dog sat for my friend over the weekend. She has two Scotties, Tavish and Rigsby, one old and deaf, that's Tavish, and the other one only a year, full of vim and vigour, that's Rigsby. I took them both for walks, but only the older one lagged so badly behind, I had to take him home after managing just one front garden's distance. He was pretty thrilled that his walk was very short. The funniest thing about Riggs, the young dog, was after we'd walked for 30 minutes the first day and 45 the next, he dashed home to his garden to relieve himself. He didn't foul the pavement once. I took a couple of bags with me just in case, but I needn't have worried. Obviously, they're not used to going out for walks. They gave me dreadful asthma, though, so I had to take my inhaler for the first time in years. I suppose I should start using it just in case the dogs in Florida affect me too. And that's what you can hear. I think it's just the allergies going crazy with my throat and my nose. And Florida looms. Next week, we're starting our journey and taking a couple of days to drive. We've been busy having dinner with friends, saying goodbye to everyone. This week we had lunch and an evening meal with two sets of friends in one day. And I went out with someone last night and we're having a mini dinner club tomorrow. The theme is going to be Seaside Picnic Fair. I'm making a fruit salad with a Romanoff cream. I joked that cooking in a hotel kitchen is rather like opening the basket on chopped. You don't know what you're going to find. There are hardly any utensils available here, and we have to be creative when making a dish. We had to cook our oatmeal on the stove. Haven't done that in years instead of in the microwave because we didn't have a big enough bowl to make enough oatmeal for both of us. But it's much better cooked that way, by the way. Nice and thick and creamy. The children are clamouring for a final meal too. My filmmaker son is heading off the week before we go. That's on this Monday. So we're going to have to fit in lunch since we neither one of us have any evenings free. Then we have to get the car ready. My blue-eyed cowboys replace the brake pads on both doors and our car. And we need the fluids checked and we're going to get a route from AAA. And the next thing we need to do is decide on where we're going to stop and hotels. All exciting stuff. And both the girls are looking for places to live. And it's a little bit worrying to think that we won't be here to help them move. But they'll be all right. It just adds to the stress of leaving. But then anything would. And if it wasn't them moving, it would be something else. Because in the McNenny household, nothing is ever straightforward. In a minute, my guest and I are going to be talking about the choices our adult children make once they've left home. My Texan adds in the word stupid to go with choices, but I try not to do that because my children are reminding me of how I was 
at their age. Instead, I tried to put myself in my parents' shoes and imagine how they felt when I came to America. But I find that difficult because they didn't really become very involved in my life. Their biggest worry when I left was, what shall we tell the neighbours? And I told them I didn't care what they told the neighbours. Then in letting our children go, the biggest challenge has been to allow them to make their own decisions, good or bad. So I pray when we get in the way of God by helping him, we may prevent them becoming whom God created them to be. So Barbara and I are going to be talking about that. And when I'm obsessed with my children and what they're doing, I'm placing like a great big boulder on the pathway so that I can't get on and continue God's work for me. So I'm off on a break. You come back and we'll be talking to Barbara Frank. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl. The inspiration for the movie, Victor and I, that's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection. With host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on Toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things. And are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes. Then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now... These deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Barbara Frank 
back as my guest this afternoon. Barbara is a homeschooling mother of two boys and two girls who have graduated and all but one has left home. Like our family, they spent a lot of time together. Both parents worked from home and taught their children. Also, similar to my family, the debate about whether to go to college or not was aired and conclusions drawn were varied and respected. Barbara is the author of Life Prep for Homeschool Teenagers, a curriculum she wrote for her teenagers to help them live on their own with a goal of financial freedom. She and her husband started a company called Cardamon Publishers in 2003 to publish their first book and several others followed, including Thriving in the 21st Century, Women of the Old Testament, 14 In-Depth Bible Studies for Teens, and The Imperfect Homeschooler's Guide to Homeschooling. Barbara, welcome back to my show. Hi, Vivian. Thanks for having me back. Well, um, I was just saying at the end of um, the the first segment there that our, my husband and I, at the moment, we're off. We're going we're going to Florida, and everything seems to have happened. Three of my cho- four children are all kind of looking for different places to live, and we're having to just kind of stand on the side the sidelines and see how they handle that without you know jumping in full force to um, sort of not so much guide them, but you know to sort of tell them what to do and what we think is the best choice. We're having to allow them to come to those choices on their own. And I find that really difficult. I think it's harder, I think, for homeschoolers. Have you found that? Oh, my goodness. It requires so much Mm -hmm. self-control. One of my friends calls it Swiss cheese tongue. You have to keep biting your tongue (laughs) full of holes. (laughs) Because we're in such a habit of teaching our kids. I mean, when you Mm -hmm. do that for 18 years, Mm -hmm. it's so hard to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and yet these are important decisions they're making. And I don't know about you, but I always have opinions about them. Um, yeah. But I got to yeah. just shut up because, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they need to not rely on us either. They need to rely on God for direction. So if, you know, mm-hmm. if I start saying you should do this, you should do that, mm-hmm. I'm kind of usurping the role that is, is no longer mine. Mm-hmm. Very tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I know that my children also talk a lot to their friends and their friends have opinions too. I'm surprised that a lot of their friends try to control their lives. You know, you should do this and you should do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that too. And I think part of that is just, um, I don't know. Some people are are maybe a little more aggressive with their opinions than others, but our kids are, seem to be open to all sorts of information from all different directions, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's a little surprising, I guess, because it's just different from, you know, when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also see that they, I don't know about you, my kids are so different. And mm-hmm. the places that they choose to go, the things they choose to do, it just blows me away. I don't know why I expected they would be more similar, but I guess because they were raised together, you know, through all mm-hmm. their childhood, um, they make such different choices now. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very and, you interesting. Know, I think as parents, though, we have lived our life, I mean, steady, because we, we've been pretty steady. So we've lived the same kind of life for a long time. And so I think we've forgotten that um, period of time where we were we were experimenting, we were trying out and trying to find ourselves and trying to find out where we wanted to go, because that's it's so far in the past. And really, compared to the 20 years that we've spent at home raising our children was just a small time. It was. It was. Yeah. And we were different people then, too. You we know, were different. I don't, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's just a you know we were we were younger we didn't know as much um, we didn't have as many experiences and and it's mm-hmm. easy to forget that when your kids are doing things and you're going oh I don't know if she should be doing that or he should yeah. be doing that but we were the same way yeah yeah um, and rem- reminding ourselves of that I think is difficult well I we've had a kind of different experience because um, my husband left his business in 2007 when uh, his industry went to China. And so we actually have been back in that stage that you're talking about, what do I do now? Where do I live mm-hmm. now? Um, mm-hmm. We moved three times in four years. Um, we're just now getting settled. So I do kind of relate to the kids on that level, um, mm-hmm. and I feel, I feel bad for them because I think they're in a much more challenging time than um, mm-hmm. we were when we mm-hmm. were young. But mm-hmm. it, it's, they're a good reminder to me, too, that they're so... Um, they're so eager to tackle everything, and it reminds me that this is a new stage in our lives too. Don't be scared; just you know, pray about it and, and keep going. So, so did, kind of, did all your did all your children stay near to you in the same state? At um, least? No, no. Um, our son met a girl. He actually met her on a mission trip to Mexico, mm-hmm. um, and she was from another state. And he eventually transferred to her college. And when they got married, um, they moved to the area where she's from. So they're two states away from us. Mm-hmm. And um, so my, my little grandson is two states away from us, unfortunately. Oh, wow. um, but we visit a lot. And um, recently we were his daycare providers on maternity leave. So we were asked to take a week of daycare for him, which we absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, took us about a week to recover from because yes. he's up at the crack of dawn and he's 18 months. So he doesn't stop moving. So we got to relive those times. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, my, my son is um, two states away. I have a daughter who um, is about an hour away, and then our newlywed daughter, is she's only five minutes away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that was for work reasons, but also she is the one who has been closest to our son with Down syndrome. Okay. And by sticking close to home, she felt that it would make the transition either easier for her and for him. Yeah. Because they've always yeah. been together. They're 22 months apart. Mm-hmm. Um, they told us when he was born that she would be his best teacher, and she was. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, she's very concerned for his welfare, and so she's not too far away, and he likes to go hang out at her new house, as he calls her apartment, mm-hmm. with her husband, and um, mm-hmm. they have a really good time. So she's she's just around the corner, practically. And I think once they get married, things seem to settle down. It might not settle down because they're still trying to find work, you know, their lives together as a couple. But I don't worry quite so much about my married son as I do about my unmarried children because, you know, they don't like necessarily being unmarried or without some kind of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And I think, oh, you know, I wish they did have somebody serious so at least they're kind of, um, oh, I don't know, held down by the relationship or something like that and not out seeking. Do you... Do you come across other parents that feel the same way? Um, yeah, I do. And, and I've also noticed that a lot of the homeschool kids, I think they've seen um, their parents' marriages and how their parents had to work together, and they want that again. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it seems to work well. I know my son and daughter-in-law, um, it tickles me to see how well they work together yeah. doing things, and especially now that they become parents. Because um, they were married quite a while before they had our grandson. So mm-hmm. um, I think they were married five years before they had him. So now that they've got him and their whole you know landscape has shifted, they've worked out who does what and they help each other out. And it's really neat to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you want for all your kids. 
Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. To see that, you know. Yeah, and and standing back now, for example, my youngest daughter, she is sharing an apartment with her brother, her older brother right now. Well, he's mm-hmm. moving. He's moving to LA. Their lease is up. So now she's got to find somewhere to live. Apartments are way too expensive for just one person to do, especially the kind of work that she does, like uh, as a dance teacher. She's going to have to get a second job and maybe even a third job in order to be able to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And so we suggested that she look for a room in a house where already the utilities are already there, the Wi-Fi is already set and all of that. No lease, possibly. Well, she didn't like that idea initially. And mm-hmm. so we just we just went, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to <laughs> let her think about it. Because we said to her, don't rush into any decisions. Just sleep on it, see how you feel tomorrow. Talk to a couple of people that you feel comfortable talking to. And quite honestly, a couple of her friends, God spoke through them. He really did. It would have fallen on deaf ears that I said exactly <laughs> the same words. But coming from a peer... It, she she said, well, I've decided. And so she eventually went the route that we would have suggested and really wanted her to go without us really saying or doing anything except pray. And that was God, obviously, working yeah. there. Yep, yep, you're right. It was God. But yeah, doesn't that feel yeah. good? <laughs> Things worked and, out and, and you so, weren't involved. <laughs> you no, know, that's right, that's right. And you, you talk about um, some you know, mothers going through this empty nest of having to sit back and or stand on the sidelines and let their children make their own own choices. And how difficult that is, because you're right, you know, we're used to teaching. So we're used to sort of, of doing that. What would be something perhaps that younger mothers who haven't quite got to, to the teenagers yet, what is something that they could do perhaps to prepare both sides, their teens and themselves for this inevitability? Well, um, first of all, for preparing the mom herself, um, I've gotten done interviews with a number of retired homeschool moms in preparation for this book I'm writing about the empty nest. And so mm-hmm. I've gone over their um, responses, and one of them particularly made sense to me. And, and it's actually something I did, although I didn't know I was doing something smart at the time. Um, but she suggested that homeschool moms start developing friendships outside of homeschooling circles and mm-hmm. start pursuing some of their interests when their youngest is hits about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's quite a, if you're going to homeschool through high school, which not everybody does, but that's quite a time span. But what that does is that kind of starts you thinking about the future, starts you um, letting go a little bit, because if you're going to pursue a few of your own interests, you won't be able to spend as much intensive time, you know, with your kids. You're going to be doing your own thing. But that's around the time that they start becoming more independent, too. That's right. That's and right. I thought that was, that was good advice um, mm-hmm. because, you know, we can just get sucked into their lives and their activities and the curriculum and just never, ever do anything for ourselves. But it's actually mm-hmm. detrimental to stay that focused to where you don't take care of yourself because mm-hmm. it may not seem like it when you're deep in the middle of everything. And, and logically, your brain knows that someday they're going to leave, but to actually experience is a, is a whole other ballgame. And so I thought that was great advice. Yeah, and starting it that that early on because I would think, well, maybe once they hit like sixteen or seventeen to start doing something like that. But earlier is better because then you can form some kind of bond 
or love for, for what it is that you're doing outside um, the home school. And we have to, Barbara, we have to go on a really short break and we'll be back in just a moment to continue our conversation. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. LinkedIn. It's a great tool, and Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. With the LinkedIn Lady Show, Wednesday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. The LinkedIn Lady will have interviews each week with a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and, of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us, won't you, every Wednesday afternoon at 5, 4 Central. It's the LinkedIn Lady Show with host Carol McManus on toginet.com. It's time to devote time to yourself and strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for B-Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week, Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be By Design, How I Be Is Up To Me, hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Right, so Barbara, we were talking about perhaps a few years before your child hits their, their older teen years, if the mother can start to look outside her home for friends and perhaps um, interests, church ministry is probably a good way to go. Were there, were there some other suggestions for how to prepare yourself and your, your young adult for leaving home? Uh, yeah, there was a good one about preparing yourself and one mm-hmm. that um, some people maybe don't really think about, in, and that involves your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because we get so involved with the kids, and, and a lot of times our husbands take a back seat. And um, several people said that if you don't, Start making time for yourself and your husband to go out and do things. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to end up looking at a stranger when your kids leave home yeah. because you won't have put in that time to continue to grow together because mm-hmm. you were so busy with. I mean, let's face it, homeschooling is is very demanding, and mm-hmm. um, it takes an effort to say, you know what, tonight Dad and I are going out, or you know, Dad and I are watching a movie, whatever. 
um, to mm-hmm. keep that connection going because, you know, you, you, your husband's there and you're both busy, but you need to exercise that um, relationship muscle and keep it strong so that when your kids are gone, you can actually enjoy each other's company instead of wondering, well, now what? You know, that you feel like different people if mm-hmm. you haven't nurtured that relationship. So that was something uh, several people mentioned, and I thought it was neat that um, a lot of the women that I've talked with and corresponded with, um, they are traveling with their husbands. Um, one is doing, she runs the church library that she, at her church with her husband. Um, a lot of them are doing things with their husband now that they don't have their kids at home, and they're loving it. They're really mm-hmm. having a good time. Mm-hmm. So, and you, yeah, you, you, your husband worked from home, and um, so you were together much more perhaps than other homeschooling families whose husband went out to work. Dad was gone from the house all day. It was just mom at home. Right. So how did that look for you? I mean, you'd spent all day around your husband, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you were in separate areas. Tell us how that worked for you. Um, well, he worked from home. He had an office at home. And mm-hmm. during the day, my job was to keep the kids from interrupting him. Yes. <laughs> Although he, he was, we called him the principal, and at times when, when someone didn't feel the need to get their assignments done, he would get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was around all the time. And then after he left his business, um, he was out of work for a few years, and then um, he got a job a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And so that was actually harder because we weren't used to being apart. Um, our son missed him terribly, our son yeah. who has Down syndrome. Um, and then last summer, that business that he was working at, they went out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they actually, it was a retirement thing. The, the guy had been running a store for 50 years and said, I'm done. So he's back home now. Um, right now he's renovating the house that we bought. So he's mm-hmm. still around all the time. And so mm-hmm. I'm very spoiled, and we enjoy each other's company a lot. So I've been fortunate, and that's why I've been talking to other moms about how to stay close with your husband because, Mine didn't have to travel on business. He did all his work on a computer. So he was always around, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other suggestions? Um, Well, you mentioned about getting the teens ready, and um, my experience was my kids didn't – they were ready. My my oldest was very ready. She moved out at 19 um, and moved Mm -hmm. to Chicago into an apartment with a couple different friends and, and immediately began supporting herself. She was raring to go. The other two weren't in quite such of a hurry. Um, So my issue was, what do I need to do to make sure they've learned what they need to know when they go out into the world? Mm -hmm. And I felt that um, my husband and I both agree we were not prepared um, when we left home for some of these things. I think they could have done a better job in school of teaching us some of the more practical aspects of adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, We bought our first house when we were 22. We didn't have a clue what was going on, what we were signing. Um, it was ridiculous, and so that made us decide that all our kids were going to know what a mortgage was. They were going to understand rent and leases and insurance and things like that. So those were some of the things I did to prepare them before they left home, mm-hmm. um, more mm-hmm. practical aspects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're, you're right on that because our children say, gosh, we never thought of that. Or how, what, what do you mean? ask how long the lease is or how do I get out of a lease? You know, these are questions that they would never dream of asking that are really, to me, obvious questions, although I have never leased an apartment in my life before, but I just oh. kind of knew that you would have to, those are the questions that you ask. So, Well, you know, my oldest daughter, like I said, she was independent from day one, and so when she got to be around 
15 or 16, she started saying, well, I'm going to live in New York City, and I'm going to have this car, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, honey, you're not going to be able to afford that right away. Oh, yes, I will. And so she was kind of the impetus. I started having her uh, go and call people and look on the newspapers, because the Internet wasn't as rampant then, and and see what Mm -hmm. is the cost for an apartment in New York City or any other city you're thinking about. And then how much can you expect to make per week? And pretty quickly she discovered that she would have to make a whole lot of money to live in New York City. Mm, mm. And so then the numbers spoke to her. And then it wasn't a matter of, oh, Mom, you're so negative. It was, wow, it really is expensive to live there. Yeah, yeah. And I know you don't you don't want to dampen your children's great enthusiasm to embrace the world because they are young. They don't know everything. They're not jaded, you know, like we are. If, if <laughs> no, we are, not. you know, we kind of go... Well, that's a that's a great dream, but hmm, you know, is it ever going to happen? And so, you want to encourage your children to dream big, but also to be practical. So, I was going to say to you, how do you how do you get around feeling that you're being negative all the time? Um, I, I have been accused of being negative by mm-hmm. my children at times. Um, and as I said, the first one, it was um, having her do her own research that seemed to to work for her. Mm-hmm. Um, with the second one, it didn't work that way. Um, it was different. You know, each child is different. Your relationship with them is different. And he has been more one that needs to do his own thing, and he figures out, you know, how to handle it. And he's um, he wanted to go to a school we couldn't afford, and we tried to convince him to go to a state school, and he insisted he had to go to this school. So he borrowed a lot of money to go to it, Um he ended up getting married, and his fiance had borrowed a lot of money to go to the same school. And these mm-hmm. were all things that we had hoped wouldn't happen to him. But, you know, um, he's a responsible guy. He buckled down. He has been paying down both of their college debt. Mm-hmm. Um, God has blessed him with a really good job, and he still owes a lot of money, but he he is determined he is going to pay that all off. And he would not have the job he has um, if he hadn't gone to school where he did. A lot of his connections came from the college he went to. So. You know, my worst fears have not been realized. And while I do feel badly that he's, you know, got to work so hard to pay all that debt, he's a very hard worker and he loves his job. So it's it seems to be all working out for him. So some of my warnings, he said I was too negative. Maybe I was. You were, the, you were, you were just worried and, and I suppose fear, fear of, oh my goodness, you know, they're going to get themselves up to their eyes and not be able to pay pay it off, you know. Well, when you're talking thirty grand a year at a school, you do the math and you go, "Ooh, <laughs> you know." I know, and, and I it's know. a tough economy out there too. But um, God's given him a good job, and he's working very hard. So it's uh, you know his goal is to get that paid off, and I, I think he will. So yeah. that worked yeah. out well. But mm-hmm. yeah, each of them was different in terms of how much advice they would tolerate, and and it did seem with all of them they get to a certain age. Maybe I should say stage, not age, because it was different with mm-hmm. all of them. They just don't want to hear it. They are so ready to go. They know what they want, and it's like, stand back, stay out of my way. And I had to learn to do that. You know, my mommy instinct is to hang on. Um, but we can't hang on. That's not That's fair right. to them. We're not supposed to hang on. That's right. And sometimes my children will come back and they'll say, oh, my goodness, that was such a mistake. I should never have done that. And I said, nothing I could have said or anybody would have said to you would have changed your mind. And they'll look at me and they'll say, you're absolutely right, mom. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah. And, 
you know, they get, get to the next situation and perhaps now they wait a little bit before they make that decision because, you know, things do change if you just sit back and wait. And my, my youngest daughter always says she loves to shop and she'll, she'll find she's an impulse buyer. But mm-hmm. when she's with me, I'll say, you don't really need that. Let's wait. Well, of course, we wait and go back and it's gone. And so she always says to me, oh, I know what that means, mum. That means it's going to, you know, let's wait. It'll be gone by the time I get to it, <laughs> get back to it. And I say, well, yes, but you know what? That's okay because you don't really, really need that or make that decision over here. It is better to wait, you know, and if it's still there, then that's all right. Then it was supposed to happen, you know, perhaps. But Right, right. So and maybe it'll uh, be marked down. <laughs> Maybe it'll even be marked down. I know. And, and I mean, she's been guilty of hiding, st- you know, kind of putting it in the back of the rack. So it's still there when she gets back. But anyway, that, that is just a really minor thing when she was younger, you know, trying to train her and trying to teach her that, you know, just waiting, not buying, is, you know, because that, imp- that first impulse is so easy in all kinds of decisions, like where mm-hmm. she's going to live. Well, you know, that apartment, it's perfect. And it's only this, this, and this. And this, the, it's the last one left. And I'm saying, you know, You've got to wait. You've got to look around. Let's let's just wait a bit and see what else comes up. Because once they're locked into a long lease, you know, there's no getting out of something like that. So right, right. right. So apart from living in places, what what other um, disappointments perhaps have you come across that um, mums have experienced once their children have left home and go on their own and are making their own choices? Well. Um... I've talked to a lot of people, and, and a lot of them are, tend to be Christian because a lot of homeschoolers are Christian. And so I think if their kids have done anything that it would not be God-pleasing, maybe things they taught them were not God-pleasing, mm-hmm. and they do them anyway. And that's mm-hmm. really painful. And I think that, it, um, you know, in the homeschool community, there's this idea that if you just raise them the right way, they will turn out right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Homeschoolers love Proverbs twenty two six. You know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, first of all, I'd like to point out it says when he is old. So, <laughs> even if it was a promise, which it's not, um, you might have to wait a while to to see them um, finally acknowledging that God's in charge. But also because it's a principle and not a promise, because we have free will. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know that you should really trust in that. I think what you have to do is trust that once you're no longer their teacher then you can just let God be their teacher and other people that he brings into their lives. And sometimes when they have to do their own thing, um, God will use that to teach them. Um, I have been shocked at how many people, how many Christian homeschool families have kids who are shacked up. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. And Mm -hmm. it was devastating for me um, when I found out, when my daughter told me that she was going to live with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I did not take it well at all. Well, Barbara, we have to we have to go on a really short break, but we okay. will pick up right where okay. we've left off here. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Clarence Caldwell's True Life Academy. 
helps intelligent, ambitious people achieve and accomplish amazing things for the purpose of living the life they've always dreamed of. We will show you how to tap into the gifts that we all have been given. True Life Academy gives you the best possible chance of living a life full of wealth, health, love, and personal power. As a certified coach, mediator, speaker, and trainer, Clarence has the skills needed to guide you to the most amazing life you can imagine for yourself, focusing on your relationships, finances, health, and career. So join the Academy and be awakened to your true life, the life you dream of, the life that fulfills your purpose, yes, the life you were intended to live. True Life Academy starts now. Join Clarence Caldwell and True Life Academy every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Tokinet Radio Network. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. And you know, Barbara, our children do make up their own minds. They make their own choices and they know full well how we feel about them because of the way we've raised them. So how do you deal with something like, um, you know, your your son or your daughter decides that he's going to live or she's going to live with her, her boyfriend or girlfriend? And how, how do you do that and still love your child, still uphold your own values and let them know that, okay, I still love you, but what you're doing is not the way we raised you? Um, it's tough. It's, it's difficult mm. because, um, well, I, I was raised in a situation where my father had told us if we did certain things, he would disown us. Mm-hmm. And my one of my siblings did something that my father did disown them for, and it destroyed the entire family. So yeah. uh, as much as I love my daughter, there was no way I was going to say that, yeah. that I'm done with you or anything like that. Yeah. My concern is more for how it reflects her current spiritual, mm-hmm. um, where she's at spiritually. And so I found that I pray for a lot. Um, I have I've had some older women who have been through the same experience who have helped me a lot and pointed out that um, I had to get past the idea that, well, you know, we homeschooled our kids and they were raised in the church and what, how, why did this happen? And reminded me that, you know, the Israelites rebelled against God and he was the perfect parent. Mm-hmm. So why are we so shocked when one of our kids rebel against us or against God? Yeah. And that was a good reminder, too. So um, my main, main thing is I pray for her all the time. I pray for him, too, um, the the fellow that she lives with. And, and he actually wants to get married, but she doesn't. So mm-hmm. um, prayer is the main thing I have to do all the time. But I pray for my kids all the time anyway. 
And I also remind myself that there can be worse things um, because we do know among homeschool families that my kids grew up with, um, one of the younger boys, he's in prison for burglary. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there was another young man who in his 20s got into the drug culture and he died of a drug overdose. Yeah. Um, both of these boys came from good families, and it, it's been tragic for you know their parents and what they've gone through. And and I think I was naive, thinking that you know nothing's going to happen to these kids because they grew up in good families. They went to the church, you know, they they were homeschooled, and that's not the case. I think we're all going to have our next in life, and in some cases, it's going to be rebellious children, and we got to ask God for strength, and we have to ask Him to guide our kids. It's it's just you know you have to rely on God. You really do. That's where your strength and, is going to come from. And, and I also think that it helps a lot if somebody can talk about it, if people are talking about that. Because I think, particularly with homeschoolers or Christians, they're ashamed. They don't want to say that their children have made these kinds of mistakes because then they think, oh, they're going to think, what a bad parent I am is going to reflect on me. Well, and there's a lot of pressure in the homeschool community to look perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I homeschooled at a time when, you know, there were magazines with pictures of perfect families all dressed in the same clothes on the front every month. You know, this mm-hmm. is what a homeschooling family looks like. Um, there's a lot of pressure to appear perfect. And I know um, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham, who's a, a great, she was a great author, and anybody who's got a child that's uh, rebelling should read her books because she's so good. But she, she wrote a poem about what it's like to go into church knowing that everybody's staring at your family because one of your kids has been in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, the pressure and the, the judgment that you feel and how painful that is. So it is. It's very tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this book that you're researching to, to um, you know, put out about empty nesters and disappointing children, um, is it... Have you have you got a, a date when you're going to have that done, or are you working on it, or has some other project eclipsed it at the moment? Well, I've been working on other things, but uh, my mm-hmm. husband having a job stopped my writing for quite a while because I, then I have to spend all my time with our son. So yeah. Um, yeah. he's home now, so I'm jumping back in. Yeah. Um, but you know, hopefully within the next year it'll be out. It's Good. part of a series of ebooks that I've written called Stages of Homeschooling, which are sold on Amazon um, okay. for the Kindle. So it'll be the fourth book, The Empty Night. All right. Well, Barbara, it's been wonderful talking to you again. We've come to the end of our time. I've been talking to Barbara Frank, and we tried to put the world to rights, or at least we were inspired to hand it over to God, our children, how we feel, how we handle them as um, far as they're concerned. And I hope you enjoyed um, our conversation today and could relate to what we had to say about empty nest and the worry of how our adult children are rebelling, perhaps against um, what they learned. And maybe with prayerful hope and encouragement they will come back. Obviously, God wants them to come back. So he's going to be working on that. Visit Barbara's website. It's um, thriving in the 21st century. I have it linked on my Toginet page and on my Sociable Homeschooler page. Barbara often speaks to home education groups about homeschooling. And she has a series of ebooks called Stages of Homeschooling. And in about a year, look for her empty nest ones. So keep her, her website there bookmarked on your computer. Barbara, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and good luck with um, your writing endeavors. Thank Thanks, you. Vivian. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Okay. Um, That was very, very interesting, as you um, know. 
And I've mentioned that um, I've been visiting some friends this, this past week or these past couple of weeks. And one of the friends that I visited, um, I encouraged her to homeschool. So she's my homeschooling mentee. And she had a question for me, which is quite an interesting question. Her oldest son, who is 14, is not very forthcoming with his words. He's one of those that if you ask him um, what was um, co-op like today, if he's gone to his science co-op, he'll just go fine. And that will be the end of it. Whereas he has twin brothers who just talk and talk and talk and ask questions and love meeting people that for the first time so that they can pick their brains about all kinds of things. So he's quite a, a different child. And she said, how do I get him to elaborate, to say more? Because, you know, she's preparing him to go to college. And once he does that, he's going to have to be able to express himself. And so I just said that um, in our house, I had a son who would far sooner do things, be doing things than sitting down and writing an essay or reading a book. And I just wanted to know what was going on in his head. So I would sometimes write out or type out a composition that he was that I had asked him to write while he was riding his bike or practicing circles on his gymnastics mushroom or climbing a tree, just so that I could try and get inside his head and, and see what he was thinking. And then uh, when he was about 12, we decided on a writing assignment that the whole family would take part in. And uh, on a Friday afternoon after lunch, we would all read out loud our essay or our composition. And I never had any word um, limitations on it. They could write as little or as much as they wanted to, and they could illustrate it. So that made my doing son very happy because he liked to draw. And um, they loved doing that. And we would we would uh, read our stories out loud. And of course, we comment on each other's stories. And we gave him a little bit of confidence. So his stories got longer and longer and longer. And I suggested to my friend that eventually her son will blossom and be able to talk about things, especially with my son. He likes to talk about things that he's interested in. And now he's in his mid-20s. He's quite good at talking about beer making and the environment and the question of God and sustainability or his favorite hobby, climbing. So just be a little bit patient if you have a child that doesn't um, express himself very um, in, in much detail when he's asked a question. And if you have other children in the same boat, really, why... As homeschoolers, <laughs> we encourage all of our children to talk. I know my children talked a lot. They would, they could talk the hind leg off a donkey, my mother used to say. Um, but, you know, you can play little games like asking leading questions when they just say that biology co-op was good. You might say, well, what do you mean by good? How did you feel during your class? What made you excited? What did you do? And draw it out of, you, out of them. My oldest son is very good at asking lots of questions. Sometimes when he takes me out somewhere, we'll be sitting in the car and he'll ask me things like what's your favorite food and why uh, what's your favorite dinner to cook he'll ask me or where where did you first where was the first house that you remember living in and what was it like what did you remember about it and um, those kinds of those kinds of questions you can ask in the car and it it could be a lesson in conversation that could become um, a lesson in conversation and also I helped my children um, come up with descriptive words, these adjectives that help paint the picture. And when I was in Stephen ministry training, we had a lot of words that helped with feelings and lots of words that described different kinds of feelings. So I went through this long, long list 
and cut it down to a really manageable list of words and asked each one of my children to choose one of the words um, that best described how they felt right now and then another word that best described how they felt at particular times during the day or when something happened like winning a game or eating a meal or auditioning for a show. And my not-so-verbal son chose the word for how he was feeling right then and there, rushed. And I was I was quite surprised. It was quite an eye-opener for me because although I did find him to be a lingerer, he took a lot longer doing things than the other people, I always thought that it was it, it irritated me. And I never considered that my badgering him to come along or hurry up um, affected him in that way. And so I changed how I how I related to him a little bit. And you know what? I have come to the end of my show and I will talk a little bit more about giving your child words to help them express the next time that we're together. And I'm going off to the hairdresser now with my husband and um, we're going to get our hair cut and then we're going out to, or he's going to have dinner with his two sons this evening. And tomorrow we're having our mini little dinner club and it's a uh, seaside theme, food that you would eat at the seaside, as I've said. And then um, we're going to be driving across country at the end of next week. So thank you so much for listening to Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. And without further ado, I'll say thank you to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Sabrina, my guest, Barbara Frank, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, Jessica, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned into Toginet all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care this weekend and be safe. And remember to offer up some prayers for us as we're driving across country across several states to our destination in Florida and the new part of our lives. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian Mead.